Okay, welcome to another episode of the Doors and Sense podcast. Joining us for today's discussion, we have local blogger Geraldine Pia and managing editor of Doors and Sense, Timothy Ho. Okay, our discussion today, does the class that you're born into define how much you can earn and achieve in your life? Does the class define us or do other things define us? The question is how much you can earn and achieve in your life. I don't think it defines you. Define means that, you know, it's fixed. There's nothing you can do about it. But I don't think it defines us. In some places in the world, I think it may define the, the people uh, in those countries, but not in Singapore. I think in Singapore, we have sufficient social mobility such that even if your family background isn't the most ideal for the kind of career that you want, you can still choose to pursue it. And if you put in the right effort and, and you have the right opportunities, you can get there. So I don't think it defines us, but I wouldn't disagree that it's a factor. Yeah, I mean, surely it must be a factor, right? How much you start off in life and how much you end up at, it, it must affect. There must be some correlation. Geraldine here. I genuinely believe that if one is to put in common terms, like from a high SES uh, type <laughs> of background, <laughs> yes. this generally correlates with like how well they're able to perform in life. So actually, this was really observed like, as early in 2010 when the late MMD, he actually shared some glaring statistics about how certain uh, privileged students with parents who are university graduates actually have a higher probability of excelling in school and entering elite institutions. So for instance, he has pointed out that around half of the students who are studying in schools like RI, ACSI and also Nanyang Girls High had fathers who were actually degree holders and who came from richer families. In contrast, the percentage at a neighborhood school, which he identified as a Chai Chi secondary school, was only around 13%. Another statistic that I came across that supports this was actually one that was shared by the former GIC Chief Economist Yang Kyung Yo on his Facebook. Highlighted that you know when compared with the top uh, 13 performing countries for the PISA test, Singapore actually has the widest gap in terms of performance between the richer students and also the poorer ones. So, of course, like what Tim said, there are other factors that could also influence like one's achievements. Like for example, you know you could have good luck, like you met a teacher who's really good, or a group of friends who actually give you really positive influence. Uh, of course, determination, resilience, hard work. You know these are factors that are not to be dismissed. But then again, we should not you know consider social class as something that is not critical, important at all. In fact, like the numbers actually show that this is something that could influence your progress and achievement in life. Okay. Well, I mean those are pretty uh hard statistics that you can't really argue against. Yep. Um, I just want to go back to Timothy. You said, maybe not in Singapore, you know, but some things that Geraldine has brought, like it shows that there is a very, very strong correlation. So why, why do you actually say that maybe not so much in Singapore, but more apparent in other countries? Okay, I think where I'm coming from is that in Singapore, there are opportunities available for Singaporeans of all different race, economic status, you know. Even if your parents can't afford to send you for a basic education, you attend school, you know. Education is compulsory anyway. Those provide that formative kind of knowledge and training that a student or a young person in Singapore would need to be able to give themselves an opportunity to improve themselves. But of course, it isn't, I'm not trying to say that social class or opportunities don't come by perhaps a little bit more easier if your parents are in the right industry or are working in those industries. But opportunities are not denied. So there is social mobility in Singapore. To me, that's something that we are quite privileged to have in Singapore, which may not necessarily exist in every other country around the world, where some yes. students just don't get to go to school. So that there's no way that they can get themselves an education, even if they are really talented, mm -hmm. just because they stay in the village and education is not compulsory. Actually, in every country in the world, there, there's going to be a bottom 5%, right? It's just mathematics. Yeah. 
but in Singapore, these bottom five percent at least have opportunity to get on on like an, an energy that was brought up on Facebook, a running track. You know, they can get on the running track, and even if they start further or way further back, or if there's some obstacles in front of their course, they have to jump over a few more hurdles. But at least they are on that running track. Definitely agree with Timothy on the aspect that you know everybody has the opportunity to get a basic education. You know, primary school in Singapore is pretty compulsory, and everybody gets a chance to go through this formal education system. But I guess the the big difference here is the resources that they have to tide them through this education system itself. For example, children with healthier parents, they could afford certain luxuries. Like for example, one parent could have the option to quit their job to stay at home to provide dedicated care and also tuition for the child. Child could be sent for violin lessons or even extra enrichment lessons in mathematics, English, Mandarin, even before they actually start primary school itself. Mm-hmm. So in that case, they already come to primary one knowing all the foundation. You know, maybe they could even have a knowledge of a student that is a primary three, whereas the rest of the students they may not have this type of advantages to get a head start. So let's let's take the analogy of like a rich student and a poor student. So yes. the poor student, okay. Okay, both of them are like going to cross the sea. Mm-hmm. So the rich students like taking star cruise. And then the poor ones like rolling the sampan kind of thing. So you can see like how there's a very big difference in terms of the effort that they have to put in to excel in the school and all that. So all of them are on the same type of sea, same yes. kind of current, but the kind of equipment that they have to get across the sea is very different. It's a different journey, and I think we all have to accept, and I think we co- we should be able to collectively agree that life isn't equal for everyone. Yeah. But just because life isn't equal doesn't mean it's necessarily unfair. So I think that's the way I see it. One analogy that I always like to bring up is sport. Mm-hmm. You know, Cristiano Ronaldo has better genes in life than the rest of us. It's not because he had that opportunity to train at Manchester United or Sporting Lisbon when he was young. I mean, you could give the same opportunity to Dinesh and he will not be a Cristiano Ronaldo. So what I'm trying to say, and no offense <laughs> to your football skills by the way, Dinesh. Yeah. No, but what I'm saying is that life isn't equal and not everyone has the same opportunities. Not everyone has the same genes and these are factors that do determine the outcome of someone's success. I give another sporting analogy and this is like, you know, Stephen Curry is one of the best NBA players right now and his dad is an NBA professional player in the past. So someone like Stephen Curry obviously would have more exposure, uh, more experience, he has the coaching of his dad who was a basketball player, knew what it took to yes. you know, get into the NBA and these are advantages that Stephen Curry had on top of the fact that he has genes, better genes probably, mm-hmm. and life isn't equal, but does it mean that you know a different NBA player cannot get there just because you know his father is not an NBA player? No, and I think that's what I'm trying to allude to, that, that in Singapore, we, I agree and I accept that you know people who have parents who are more who are wealthier or who are lawyers are more likely to be able to provide their kids with that kind of education or additional boost enrichment programs to have a better chance so called so to speak take the star cruise. Yeah. Um but but I like what you mentioned at the start which is that at least everyone is in the race. You know, no one is denied a chance to to get onto the racetrack even if it's potentially an unequal race. Definitely agree that um, life isn't something that is like equal, you know, if you haven't accepted that by the age of 25 then you're living in a fairy tale world. But yes. let's think about the idea of like, you know, uh, education and what is the mm-hmm. purpose of like education in Singapore. It's actually to provide a form of like social mobility. But if it's not really fulfilling this role perfectly, then perhaps there needs to be some form of intervention to improve things also. 
Furthermore, I feel that this whole situation of like um, inequality, class divide, something yeah. that is very detrimental to Singapore as a whole. Since young, you know, we've been told that you know we're a meritocratic country. Everyone has a very fair chance to succeed exactly. in life. Nobody can get ahead because of like network, because of like other kind of like yeah. advantages that I mentioned earlier. You know, right now this whole identity and concepts actually something that is being questioned and threatened. In fact, uh, according to some of the recent surveys that was published in China News Asia, you know, I think around 50% of Singaporeans highlighted that class is the largest like fault line um, in this country mm-hmm. versus only 20% who highlighted uh, race and religion mm. as a dividing factor. So that shows like how much attention is being paid to this issue now and how it's actually impacting um, several Singaporeans hope. Yeah. I think the government is definitely taking note. We have seen like even quite recently a documentary on, on Channel News Asia. Um, I think it was regardless of class, uh, Minister Janil Yaptujeri was the, the host of it. And I think the government is kind of understanding now that class is one of the big divisive uh, fault lines in Singapore. I think it exists in every society. So what, what do you think Singapore can do differently? I think that there's no easy answer to this question because uh, I was just looking through uh, some statistics. Researchers from Facebook had a sample size of 5.6 million parents-child pairs from English-speaking countries and also identified their occupation. Okay. You know, and they calculated the probability that given a certain occupation that the parents or the dad has, you know, what are the chances that their son would be in a similar occupation. So this is what yeah. they found out. If a father is a lawyer, there's a 5% chance that the son will become a doctor. Okay, so a lawyer father, 5% chance a doctor's son. Yeah. So basically what it shows is that if the father is a lawyer, there's a 5% chance that the son will become a doctor. And this is apparently 4.6 times higher than someone who is likely to just practice medicine if their son is not a sorry, if their father is not a lawyer. Sure. So, so on, on the overall population, it's about on 1% over, then, Yeah, a, a sample size of a few million yeah. and they are just saying that, you know, if your father is a, is a lawyer, you are 4.6 times more likely to have your son being a, a doctor rather than the general average. So what I'm just alluding to is that, you know, occupation is, you know, more likely to affect, you know, a, a parent's choice. And you could say this is class. I'm not mm. going to deny that. Another, another statistics that says that, if your father was in the military, there's a five times more likely chance to join the military. What they do, how they grew up, the family background, it's more likely to affect uh, a yeah. child's career decision. Uh, so if you're born in a family or your relative, none of you are a lawyer, then chances of you becoming a lawyer is a lot lower. But if mm-hmm. everyone around you, your, your uncle, your dad, your brother, they're all lawyers, I think it's fair to say that you there's a higher chance you'll become yeah. a lawyer. Yeah. But whether or not that creates that problem of that class divide that we're talking about here, I think that's a difficult question, right? So if you're expecting that lawyers are in a higher class than other people, you know, uh, service staff people, then we have a problem because mm-hmm. at our level, we are trying to differentiate between what's a, a high class job and a lower class job. But we cannot deny that, you know, a parent's job and what our parents do, do affect and influence our choices in life as well. Yeah. Actually, what I want to do is like, I want to break down what the word um, success is. Okay, success mm-hmm. on one hand means how much you earn. But on the other hand, it also can mean that how much you achieve. You know, what, what you achieve doesn't always have to be tied to a monetary value in life. Everyone wants to earn as much as we can. I mean, that, that's one um, definition of success. Question. This is one very important um, definition. But should it limit the kind of achievements that we have in life? Like doing something good, like giving back to the community. Uh, I mean, are, are there more achievements that we can actually pursue? 
I think let me start first. I think in general in Singapore, when people look at class, I think there's a few things that they typically stereotype it based on. So where you live, the kind of home you live, uh, the kind of jobs you do, and unfortunately, to some extent, even the school that your kids are going into right now. Yeah. So I think that's sort of like a general stereotype that people have when they try to divide or try to segment people in class. Mm-hmm. Is it right? I don't think it's up to us to judge which job is better than others. I don't think a job should be defined by how much the person make. I think it's important to earn a fair salary, but it shouldn't define you know, how good a job is. And it's when we start having these stereotypes where we, we start thinking you know, one job is better than the other and things like that. I'm just going to go on a point like Australia, okay? they treat their plumbers and they treat their, their mechanics maybe way better than how Singaporeans treat our plumbers and, and basically people of, of what we term the blue collar, I mean that's blue really, collar workers. Yeah, it's, it's kind of become a derogatory word in some, in some way, you know, yeah you can be a blue collar worker and still have great achievements in your life, bringing up your kids is an achievement, it's not just money right, mm-hmm. yeah what else can success be? Even if we don't think in terms of like success as material terms, like for example, in terms of your education, in terms of your career, I do feel that uh, parents from richer families are able to provide children with other kinds of means of uh, achieving success. For example, they could pick up, have the opportunity to pick up certain skills and also hobbies that seem uh, impressive to other people. Mm. For example, like just throwing out some examples there like golf, tennis, <laughs> fencing yeah. and all that kind of thing. Yeah, yeah um, That would actually help the child's like, personal development uh, and of course also helps them to enter certain exclusive networks that also share this kind of like hobbies. So then again, it ties back to you know academic and also career type of uh, sure. achievement and benefits. They could also be able to go on like tons of like trips to like Europe, USA yeah. and all and or maybe even start to learn how to invest from a really young mm. age because they actually have capital. So yeah, that actually you know uh, not only benefits the child in terms of like uh, personal growth but also helps them in terms of other areas of success. Like for example they will be able to you know build more network I think what you mentioned about network is very true and I think the greatest danger that we have as a society in Singapore is when networks are closed, which means that you know a person who is for example playing golf Offensing never gets to interact with someone who's playing soccer or basketball. I think that's where you start to have segmentation, and that's the danger that we face as a society when when the golfer never meets the soccer player, yes. and that's why you know parents or people start to have that perception of a hey, we are going to if I don't get my kids into golf school, then he or she will never get to interact with people who are playing golf as well. And likewise, you know, if I put my kids into soccer school, then uh, his friends will all be soccer players as well. I think that's where we start to have danger because we need people in Singapore, in- kids included, but also parents included, to interact with people of all, all sorts of uh, segments or, or categories. This includes race, religion, as well as you know what you want to call as class, which again has yeah. a very vague and weak definition in my opinion. Uh, weak definition in the sense that it's just based on a lot of perception. You know, one of the things that I, I also ask myself is that why do you want to mix with a certain class? Is it because, you know, I see that, hey, a lot of these guys are doctors and lawyers and I really want my kids to be that? Or is it just because I see that they're earning more and I hope that, you know, by joining them I can earn more? Mm-hmm. I think we need to ask ourselves what is the definition of success? The same question you posed to yeah. me, um, I would just turn it back and say we've got to ask ourselves why are we looking at this group of people and commoditizing these groups to a certain extent. Definitely I feel that you know all these type of like material uh, achievements 
and also education should not define a person. But right now, the issue in Singapore we have that we've been told since young that as long as you work hard, you're going to become successful, you're going to become you know, rich and all that. So by extension, people will just assume also that if you did not achieve you know, good results or uh, perform well in your career or education, you are therefore lazy. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. And I guess that this is the mentality of uh, many people who are in the upper class and it's perpetrated by the fact that they do not really have friends who are from a lower socioeconomic status. Mm-hmm. So this leads us to a new problem because they might actually feel like entitled, you know, and they start to believe mm-hmm. that their success is purely due to their own hard work alone and not based on all the factors that we highlighted, like for example, parents' connection, parents giving them a head start and all that. So this actually, you know, further perpetrates the kind of divide that we have in society. Mm-hmm. Does getting them to mingle more really solve that problem, you think? Or will it be a solution? Well, I don't think that, you know, putting people together alone is going to solve the problem. Like, I mean, there were some uh, examples being brought up, you know, like for example, having shared spaces and stuff like that. But it's not just about putting people from different uh, uh, backgrounds together physically. It's more about changing the perceptions that they have because if you put them together and they live together um, in the same space but they still hold prejudices about the other group then that is not something that is going to be effective in bridging this whole class divide I think it's one thing forcing people to be together but I think we should also be equally concerned about breaking down the barriers that stops people from uh, freely interacting with one another schools as well I think Jardine brought up some great statistics yes. uh, that was quoted yes. and I think that's a that's a really valid point if you have a school which is filled with people whose parents are uni grads and then you have another school which you know uni grads parents are like a minority then that's one um, one one barrier that you know really shouldn't exist mm-hmm. but perhaps exists because of things such as you know um, location so like richer folks just tend yeah. to stay in estates that are more expensive which perpetuates this right um, um, but those are difficult things that we need to solve I, I think I, being able to identify with people from different backgrounds is something that's really important uh, for all for all Singaporeans whether young or old I think if we stay within the, the circles of our friends for too long we tend to hold those biased views of yeah. you know people in other who are outside of our circle of uh, friends I think in the US it's quite popular when, when they, they force companies to have diversity, uh, gender diversity, uh, race diversity, um, and all those things. So um, companies in the US mm-hmm. do you know deliberately ensure that, that kind of diversity within their companies, within their organization. Yeah. Is that something perhaps companies should should have to look at? Um, so I guess that the outcome that we're all trying to look at is actually helping the uh, kids from lower-income families get a good head start. Take for example the US, right? So the US is a huge country, uh, 50, I think 50 over states. Yeah, 50 states. 50 states, yeah. right? So, and, and not all states are equal. And, and yeah. you know, New York and California are going to, people who stay there, uh, again, just because they were born there, might just receive more opportunities than someone who is was born in a different city in the states, right? So, and, and you cannot force a young kid to like travel to another state just to receive the same education. Yeah. So uh, only thing you can do is you can bring the education to everyone. And I think you know just talking about education alone. I think MOE has tried their best, actively tried their best to make sure that you know they, they strive to make every school a good school. But you know perhaps some schools just have 
this is a little bit more I don't know how I mean it's the way it is yeah I think it's a long drawn process as well right and we can't just fix it overnight um, the government is taking notice of it um, the schools are trying to do their part yeah. class is, is something every country grapples with so Jody, I think this question is really for maybe the bottom 5% on, on how we can really help those group of people how we can help those that are really lagging behind society catch up to the rest so to answer your question, I think it's two parts. Uh. First of all, I wouldn't say that the middle income has it easy. Uh, <laughs> I guess the dollars Com- in sense compared, compared to someone from a low income family. Because as uh, you guys have pointed out in several of the articles, I mean, we are kind of like, I mean, the middle income, like we can, I would say that I fall into this category, is kind of like the sandwich generation right now, having to balance uh, taking care of their elderly parents, saving for their retirement, and then also providing for their children also. So I wouldn't dismiss it that way. But to answer your main question uh, about the students from uh, lower-income families and how we could actually help them, I guess that there's a few factors. Uh, first of all, we could actually have more uh, equitable fundings for schools. Uh, because right now, actually, the IT schools and all, they are getting much more in, uh, in terms of funding compared to those from uh, neighbourhood schools. And uh, if neighbourhood schools were to have more funding, they would be able to have the opportunity to run certain like enrichment programmes, maybe uh, public speaking courses or like uh, music lessons for their students expose them to, to you know different things and to inspire them to uh, achieve okay. more in life we could also look into maybe exploring the option of having a small class size because right now a lot of people they turn to tuition because tuition the class size is small and they are able to teachers able to provide a very dedicated kind of attention to the yeah. kids itself yeah. but if we were to have a small class size then the teacher will be able to focus more on taking care of all these students who are falling behind who tend to come from low-income families and that will actually help them to, to achieve more as well. Yeah, I think these are some good ideas to kind of level up what's been um, tilting in the favour of the richer people, right, in a way. What do yeah. you think? Like personally, for me, I don't think it's about making the, the level feel equal for everyone, right? So okay. you, you shouldn't deliberately penalise those people who have more just so that they can be equal to those people who have less whom you are giving more. Yeah. I think it's more correct to say that everyone, we should take you know, the bottom 5 percentile in Singapore, mm-hmm. um, make sure that they have the opportunity to improve um, their own lives and, and the yeah. lives of their, yeah. of their family members or their, their kids in the future from a financial standpoint as well as from a living and, and, and career standpoint. Give them the, the, the ingredients or, or the, the, the initiatives which are required, but then give everyone else also that same thing. Mm-hmm. That's what I. That's how I see it. You know. Yeah. So we take the bottom five percentile. We make sure that these people have what it takes if they want to to to, to move forward in life, and then that same uh, support is given to the rest so that you know we don't deliberately penalize those people who have a bit more. Um, yeah. And I think we want to penalize people who have more. I think that's the wrong way to go about it. Even right. Uh, everyone will agree on that. You can't and you shouldn't. Uh. Yeah, yeah. So we, we can't make those people have more be at a disadvantage, right? The only thing we can do is we can make sure that you know those people have less have those advantages. Education is definitely one thing, but we need to look at other aspects of life as well that these people may be struggling with. So I think career opportunities could be another of those um, challenges. Mm. Um, so that's why you have initiatives like you know WSG skills future and this yeah. you know if you are rich and you got a lot of uh, money to you know go for this kind of causes you don't need that $500 but if you are someone to you know $500 pick a, a cost could be financially challenging then that's where you know this initiatives 
uh, kicks into play. Uh, but again, you know, you know, this is given to everyone. So you know, if you could be very rich, but you can still go for that same course if you want to, mm-hmm. assuming you qualify or what the yeah. criteria are. Yeah. So I think career and I think healthcare is the last thing. So like you don't you do not want uh, the situation where there are people who need to stay at home because uh, they need to uh, take care of their parents and because, you know they just can't financially afford. Uh, domestic helper or someone uh, again I'm not if it's a personal choice that's one thing but I think uh, we need to support these people from, from all aspects of life yeah yeah. so I think it seems pretty holistic education seems to be a main pillar healthcare seems to be another main pillar and career seems to be the third main pillar definitely of all these three I feel that education is always the most um, uh, important sector I mean Singapore itself we proud ourselves of having an uh, education system that uh, reduces social mobility of people from the lower class so, but the fact that we have a high high income inequality, that kind of like repeats meritocracy itself. So, we really have to solve this issue at the root of the problem, which is the high income disparity in Singapore. Sure. Yeah. So, just parting thoughts. Like, on a on an individual basis, we need to question our own personal bias as well. We cannot just point the finger at the people whom we can't relate to and, and presume that we are right. I, I do frequently ask myself this question about decisions that I make, how I treat people, whether there are biasness that are included into these things. So I, I think it's like on an individual level, we need to ask ourselves whether we ourselves are guilty of making these uh, stereotypes and having these biasness in our lives. Okay, I want to thank you both for, for being on the podcast. Thanks guys. Thanks. Thank you.